Chipton This feline thinks he's fine Inspector's gonna catch her With a little bitty ball of twine He just thinks she's swell She's throwing he can tell This love will never stop In the cage This is Random Acts of Tangent. I'm Adam. I'm joined by Rex here. Hey, what's up? We got a guest in the studio, Patrick Barnett. What's happening, fellas? Nice to, nice to see you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate Absolutely. It. It's our Great pleasure. Well, we met Patrick at, uh, at the collab event over in uh, the brewery district in L.A. Good time. We, we started talking. We got a lot in common, it turns out. You, you yourself, you're, you're a crooner. This is correct, and you guys are uh, you guys are the new rap pack. That's yes, what I hear. That's man. a word on the street. Uh, yes, yes, that's the word. Yes, very popular in the streets. It's all of the billboards and everything. That's We're right. going to drink our way there. We we might not live up to it, but we'll, we'll right. drink. If we our ever way get there. through this uh, this podcast, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, for, for people that are not in the know, a crooner is uh, is somebody who sings uh, in, in the lounge style. Uh, very much like the Rat Pack, Sinatra, Sammy Davis, Dean Martin. Right. Uh, so, and this is something you do at, at the Dresden Room. That's right. I mean, among other places, but the Dresden is, uh, you know, the classic, you know, Hollywood lounge from the, uh, from Swingers, Swingers and many and other is. movies. Yes. And, uh, Marty and Elaine Roberts are my great friends and they perform there. They've been there for actually 31 years now. Right. I've seen them so, a couple times. Yeah. yeah I've probably seen them. Definitely. Times, right? Yeah. We've, we've been there before. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a Hollywood landmark, right? Yeah. It, it is indeed. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really a phenomenal place. It's got that real kind of retro kind of vibe to it. And I happened in there about, I, I've been in LA about 20 years now. I'm dating myself, of course. Right? Okay. But, um, but in any event, I, I, I stumbled in there with a friend about 20 years ago and I saw Marty and Elaine playing. I was always into that kind of music. I always loved, you know, Frank and Dino and, yeah. and Sammy and that kind of stuff. And, and I saw Marty and Elaine. I fell in love with them. I just thought these guys were the coolest. So I, I started singing at other clubs around town, but I kind of, you know, found myself back in there a couple of years later and, and actually got my first gig there. Marty, uh, Marty and Elaine gave me my first professional paying gig. Singing so, standards? Yep, singing standards, nice. singing all that good stuff. Like, I think my f- first tune I ever did, wh- did there was, uh, was Under My Skin. That was the okay. first tune. And I, I was singing the tune, and all of a sudden, I felt something hit the back of my leg, and I turned, and Marty hit me with the drumstick. He was like, hey, kid, you want a booking? Wow, very <laughs> and nice. And that's it. The rest is history. So I've been there for about, you know, almost 20 years now, you know, as sort of a permanent guest, and I, you know, I, I gig all over town, but okay. that's kind of like a home base, and it's uh, they're they're just the best. I love them; they're great guys. So, can you just walk in there and just like pick up a mic anytime you wanted to? You know, it's it's funny. You know, I'll be in there with friends, and I'll just say, "Hey, maybe at the Dresden," and be sitting down, and you know, just having cocktails and and talking and such. And all of a sudden, I hear bump, 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 and I'm gonna bump. I hear this little Miles Davis intro, and and then they introduce me. All right. And I'll say, excuse me, guys, I'm going to go sing. And they're looking, they're <laughs> oh. looking at each other like, Man, who's awesome. this guy? Who are who's you? this guy? So that's <laughs> happened to me a lot, but, but it's, uh, it, it's always a blast. And, uh, and actually right now, very cool is a, a very good friend of mine, a guy by the name of Kelly Olson, who's a, uh, a director, producer, writer. He's actually producing a documentary. Okay. On Marty and Elaine called Marty and Elaine staying alive at the Dresden. And it's all about their lives and their journey and their, and their gig at the Dresden. All right. So it's going to be a great thing. It's coming out in a couple, about a year from now. So okay. Uh, do you remember how you got into the standard style of music? You know, it's funny. I, I was always when I when I grew up, I was always in a rock and roll. I, you know, my brothers, um, you know, always had like the Beatles and the Who and uh, uh, Elton John albums. We had a couple Elvis records, but um, you know, my grandfather was a singer. He he played ukulele. My oh. grandfather and uh, 
he kind of had a very sort of Bing Crosby kind of a voice. He had kind of a really nice. deep, rich kind of baritone voice. So when we were kids, you know, I was listening to rock, but when we were kids, um, he'd sing like Bill Bailey, he'd sing like Bye Bye Blue and all those great songs from like the 20s and 30s. Right. And so I, I developed an appreciation from that, but I, along with the rock and roll, I was always a huge Bobby Darren fan. Like I always thought Bobby Darren was the coolest. I think I saw a video of Bobby Darren like singing Mac the Knife when I was a kid or Beyond the Sea, one of those songs. And and I was just I was crazy about Bobby Darren. So um I I actually started singing, you know, when I was sort of towards the end of college, I started singing, you know, adding like uh, Mac the Knife and Beyond the Sea into my repertoire and I started singing. I actually sang it at my brother's wedding. All right. Uh in in uh gosh, we're going way back. Nineteen eighty nine. All right. My brother's wedding. I sang Mac the Knife, and that was it. As soon as I sang that song, I knew that's kind of what I had to do. So that's awesome. It felt really, you know, comfortable. They're great songs, as you guys know. Oh, they're just fantastic oh, yeah. songs. The I, I wish I had the voice to, to pull it off. And sometimes in my car by myself, I think I do nail it. But uh, <laughs> when, when I get to a, a public setting, like I'll be practicing on the way to a karaoke bar or something. Like oh, I got the song down, and then I'll, I'll get up there and I'll, I'll sing under my under your skin or something under my skin, and and then. Uh, once I'm done, I'm like, what the hell? I, I did a huge disservice to everybody that sang the song before me. But, but I, I still, I, uh, I you probably sound it. better than you think you do. Um, I, I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take that. Yes, I sound better. You never know. You never know. You should record it sometime and play it back. Well, that, oh. well it's, it's in maybe, the car. Maybe, who knows? No, I actually, actually, I record it on my phone. Do you? Uh, in the car, right. on the way. Like, how does it sound? And then I play it back. And I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. But then when I get there, I start having some drinks. I, it, I forget that I you sound get a horrible. little brave. Yeah. And I'm like, turns out I sound amazing. So, uh, <laughs> so I get up there and I start doing it. It doesn't always turn out the way I would like, but still, it's, it, it's fun to sing. If, if, if nothing else, it's, it's fun to sing. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I've sung a lot of these songs, like, I, I don't know, maybe, I mean, hundreds of times. Like, for example, like, Fly Me to the Moon. Yes, my favorite. Or uh, Come Fly With Me or The Summer Wind or just some of these just great standards. I've sung them. I mean, probably hundreds of times, and and I really never get sick of singing them. They're just right. they're great, great songs, great stories, and and like you just said, you, you really never know how it's going to sound. Right. You never know how the band's going to, uh, how you're going to be vibing off of one another, what the groove is going to be like. Yeah. So you may have done it many times before, but there's always a different mood. There's always a different crowd. There's always a different kind of feel and vibe in the room, and that really affects. Oh, absolutely. You know, what comes across. Yeah, because when I'm in the car, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a hit. I'm a huge hit. Then I get to the karaoke bar, not so much of a hit anymore. Well, sometimes there's just energy <laughs> in the room and it, and you can play off of it. And sometimes the room's like devoid of energy and you got to like force it. You got to get instill it in that, the yeah. people that are there. That is and, true. And bring it to them so that, that you can play off of it once they get it. And, and, and then it's contagious, but. It's a good point. Um, totally. I, I, yeah, well, we, I mean, we've, we've been on stage before, not singing. But right. we've been on stage. Yeah. And, doing um, comedy stuff? Or? Yeah, doing comedy yeah. stuff. Improv. Right. So we know how it is to have a, a tough crowd sometimes and, and to have a crowd that uh, just is, is waiting to see you. It, 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 yeah, there's a huge difference. Yeah, huge. Plus, it really, also, really gets under your skin. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. Rim shit. <laughs> but also the, the places I find, and this upsets me actually about a lot of, uh, I guess, youth or just people in general, that they, that the kind of music, the standards of music, that style is not as widely accepted as it should be. So when you go to a bar, they're, they're, they're playing uh, the rock, they got some rap, they got some uh, Alicia Keys, they're all singing. Then then you come on, you sing something in the, in the standard style, and everyone's like, what, what is this? I mean, it, it's, it's hard for me to understand how it could sound bad to somebody, but some people just, they're not into it. And it's, it's, very it's, it's, it's very weird. It's, 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 
Because it's so, let's put so it great. This way. Let's put it this way. You know how people always ask you that question, you know, Elvis or the Beatles? Okay. I say the Rat Pack. Yeah. That's, that's, I answer. I like that's that. what my that's, answer is. That's right. That's, take uh, option C. Yeah. It's yeah. not A, B, or C. It's yeah. the response is F. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. G. Yeah. And F you, by the way, for it's that like question. It's like keys. Like, sing <laughs> a song in a different key. Right. Yeah, and it's the, the way I got into the uh, the standard stuff is it's kind of a weird story. Yeah, how, how did that happen? It it, it actually um, maybe shocking to some, but it's it has a lot to do with Bruce Willis. I, I'm a huge Bruce Willis fan. People that, that know me know that I, I'm a huge nut for Bruce Willis. And uh, I, I was watching a movie that he did, uh, Hudson Hawk. It was it was a comedy. Right. It's kind of eh, it's it's a hit or miss type of thing. It's it's weird comedy, but uh, the way that he, he's a cat burglar and the way they keep time, he's so old school. They don't have stopwatches, so the way they keep time. All right, we got three minutes, fourteen seconds to get in out of the building. Uh, swinging on a star. That's how long that song is. So him and his accomplice, his buddy, they they right. sing the song to themselves mm-hmm. as they're like sure. casing the whole place, and that's yeah. how they have they keep time. For Even how, though how they're not next to each other, they know the song so well together yeah. that they know exactly where they're at in the robbery. Because they're singing the song to yeah. themselves. Bringing it back right now. Exactly. So I heard <laughs> yeah. that. And just the, the, even them singing. I mean, Bruce Willis, he's not the, the greatest voice, but he, he's, it's good enough. And it's just the way that they sang it, the way the whole scene played out, I just, I, I fell in love with Swing on a Star instantly. And I started looking for other things that were like that. And then that's, and I just, I just fell in love with the whole genre just because of Bruce Willis, pretty much. Well, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's amazing, you know, how you actually get those links to yeah. the music. I mean, one of the, one of the guys that, that actually did it for me in terms of uh, standards. I mean, you know, I always, like I said, I always loved Bobby Darren and Sinatra. When I was a little kid in my grandmother's basement, I remember that. That's actually how I associate that kind of music in my life, is that when I was a young kid, you know, my grandmother had this long aluminum table. And on, like, Sunday afternoons, you know, an Italian family, big sort of Italian get-together. All right. And I remember, like, Sinatra and Perry Como and those kinds of sounds when I was really, really young. But... um you know, I was listening to rock and roll. I mean, Robert Palmer, okay, who was an amazing, you know, addicted to love and um, right. um, bad case of loving you, all those great songs. But he actually had a real deep appreciation for standards, and actually, he recorded a few of them. So actually, he would throw a, a standard or two on his albums. Okay. So I remember having one of his records, and I think he did. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the tune he did. It'll come back to me. But but he did this song, um, and it and it happened to me. It okay. could it could happen to you. Okay, is the name of the song, and he recorded it. And I remember hearing him do it, and I always thought he was such a, a great performer. But he did the standard, and I thought, wow, man, this is a great great tune. And he was kind of a rocker, and I thought, wow, this is really good stuff. Simply Red is another band that they've done. They, they like old music. Mick Hucknell is a big sort of okay. fan of standards and also R and B. So so I actually started kind of being interested in that music through some contemporary artists. Very nice. As well, I, so I appreciate that a lot. And that's one thing. Uh, Seth MacFarlane has an album that came out he did, about a year he ago. Did, yeah. And and I heard Seth MacFarlane being interviewed because I I, I was I was listening to uh, I had XM at the time in my car three month trial period so I kept it and I, it was always tuned to a uh, Sirius Sinatra. Sure. And, and so that's always I was driving around that's playing and one morning at ten o'clock in the morning on a Saturday I was on the way to go meet with some people and Seth MacFarlane came on to being interviewed about his big band album in in, in the same style of the standards and everything and the the reason that he does it. And in fact, in the Family Guy, there's a lot of those kinds of songs because he wants to bring that kind of music to the youth of today. And it's very important to him to get people acclimated to what, sure. what it used to be, what, what music should sound like. Absolutely. And his album is fantastic. He's got a great voice. And it, it is kind of like Brian, though. It is. Singing standards. It's, it's Cause, nuts. Because if you listen to Seth Farland yeah. uh, on, <laughs> on uh, just 
in anything. Yeah. He actually sounds like the dog. His, his normal voice is like Brian. Brian. His yeah. normal voice. That's <laughs> is just that him right? talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when, when he's singing standards every once in a while, you're like, that's that goddamn dog singing standards. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was very off-putting. There was one time I went to go see the premiere of, of his movie that came out. And uh, I, I, I had seen him, but I never heard him talk. So he comes, he walks on stage, and he starts talking. And I'm like, what the? No, that's a dog. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very weird. But then he'll right. shift and go into Stewie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. stuff. So, so as somebody who's seeing standards, how do you feel about uh, people that take the standard style of singing and kind of like twist it uh, that are more contemporary, more like uh, Richard Cheese? Ooh, Richard Cheese. Cause yeah, Richard Cheese Because I great. feel like he's a very particular Sure. I saw person. Richard Cheese a couple of years ago at the Derby. I actually like standards in any form. You know, I, I love when people actually – you know, take a song and they kind of put their own spin on it. I always, I, I think that's kind of what it's all about. I mean, I there's part there's a part of me that really loves like the real traditional standard big band sound, like right. Sinatra, or Tony Bennett, that kind of stuff. Even like, people like Ella Fitzgerald or Sarah Vaughan. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. But there's also the other side of me really likes when people push the envelope musically. So that kind of stuff, and they they kind of take their own spin. They put their own spin on it, but they also take liberties with it and kind of put it. it I think. For me, it's it, a cool thing is is putting your own spin on it and actually making it your own. Because I think with the standards is that everybody loves the tunes. We, we know that, yeah. You know, because the songs have been around for you know fifty, sixty, seventy years. Yeah. In some cases, but I think it's all about you know kind of putting your stamp on it. And even even if you you put a comedic stamp on it, mm -hmm. like a Richard Cheese. Yeah. So I really think you know I think it's a lot of fun when you can actually and, and it's actually it all started with. I shouldn't say it all started, but, you know, Piscopo and Saturday Night Live with Sinatra, with his parodies of Sinatra. All right. You know, like, I've got you under my skin. You know, like with all the clip, kind of like, you know. Something like Dangerfield right there for a second. You know, Rodney, <laughs> Piscopo doing Sinatra. Anyway, I have a Rodney Dangerfield story for you guys. Oh, is that right? I do, actually. Fantastic. Um, but, um, but anyway, to answer your question about Richard Cheese, so that's uh, – yeah, I, I like when guys, you know, do funny things with things. Like I think that. it's good for the genre. I think yeah, it draws absolutely. more people in. It brings, and, and if it anything, brings new you know, life into it. Exactly, exactly. You're gonna, you're just going to get younger people listening to it, and then they're going to develop an appreciation for the genre in general. Because be like, to understand it well, right, you really need to be familiar with, with what yeah. happened before. It's almost through association. I mean, you, you associate uh, Richard Cheese, you're like, it's funny, he's, he's a funny guy. But the music, it kind of, it, it just goes with you. Same with Seth yeah. MacFarlane. He, you know him as the family guy. So sure. then, so you're like, oh, he's got an album. Let me listen to it because he's, he's a funny guy. And then the album, there's no comedy in it. It's just, it's just great singing. So it kind of, it draws you there. And it, and it, I feel like, uh, kind of like with this podcast, it, it, you get drawn to it. Once you listen to it, you're, you're hooked. Sure. It, 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 it's the same thing with the music. With Seth MacFarlane, you hear him singing. You're like, that's great. That's great music. So I feel like that'll keep you to it. Because it just through the association of Seth MacFarlane being what he is, or Richard yeah. Richard Cheese being what he is, it, it kind of sucks you in, and now I think you become a fan of it, w sure. whether you like it or not. Because it's just well, yeah, and, and also like you said before about you know Bruce Willis and Hudson Hawk. I mean, exactly. you know, so many of these songs are either from Broadway shows or they're from movies. Right. So it's very you know, I mean, that's how many of these songs came to be popular. So when you mentioned the Bruce Willis and the and the, and the Hudson Hawk film, yeah, it's that's pretty cool because that's how many of these songs were written. Like the song "More" that Bobby Darren made famous was from a film called Mondo Cane. Okay, you know, and so many of those other songs were from big feature films yeah. at the time. So "Kicked right. in the Head" was from Ocean's Eleven, right? Bam! There you go. So it's it's all about an association. So whether it be you know Seth MacFarlane, Bruce Willis, Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. yeah. 
whoever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's uh, it's all about that link, you know? Absolutely. So what's the story you got about Dangerfield? Well, anyway, I worked on this film. I, I actually worked on his last film uh, called um, – it was called The, um, the Onion. Oh, okay. I believe it's, I believe it, the, what's that? What Caddyshack 12? No, Caddyshack. Caddyshack 56. <laughs> okay, awesome. So, <laughs> Caddyshack, what a classic <laughs> film that was, right? In any event, I, I worked on this film called The Onion, and, uh, it was his last film, and I was actually walking onto the soundstage, and I saw this golf cart okay. roll up, and I saw this, these little kids jump off it, and this oh. little old guy in a sailor cap, like, you know, step off the golf cart and he walked into the soundstage and he just sh was shuffling. And as I, you know, I walked behind him, I just noticed that it was, oh my God, this is Rodney Dangerfield. Like, All right. this, so this epic. is Rodney. So fucking and, epic. Yeah, just, it, it blew me away. And was he wearing a robe? No, no, he wasn't really. No. He was just kind of wearing like a tie, a sailor cat and a robe. I yeah, he was wearing, I, I don't even remember. He was wearing like, you know, some <laughs> like sort of Hugh like. Hefner? Yeah. like yeah, not like, Hugh Hefner? Like, he's not Hugh Hefner. He's Rodney Dangerfield. That's right. <laughs> I got no respect. Yeah. So in a, so in any event, so he uh, he was shuffling on and 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 he was you know I, I was well into his eighties and he was I, I was just really in awe just just to be around him because you know he's he's just an, such an icon but yeah and was so huge for all of us growing up with all those films like you know Easy Money and uh, Caddyshack and he was so consistently to funny school. too I think towards yeah. the end of his career even I saw him uh, do one of his stand ups on uh, the Leno show. Uh, or Saturday night, uh, whatever. The, the, late night, late night with Jay Leno. Okay. Back when Leno, before he took it away from uh, O'Brien like Conan. a douche, right? <laughs> right. Now uh, he, they had Rodney Dangerfield on there, and he just delivered. Like it wasn't slow. Like some people in their old age, you're like, ah. sure. But this guy just boom on point. Right. Every single joke, delivery perfect, just amazing. You you could have been hearing the same shtick from some guy that was like in his early twenties, just delivering it, and right. it was money. That's no, all no, he was the whole time. And, you know, speaking to that point, so he had come on the soundstage, and they only had him for like an hour because he wasn't well. Okay, he really he really seemed very disoriented, and he didn't seem like he was in great shape, and hmm. it was kind of sad. Because it was, you know, he was Rodney and he right. was very, very old. But what happened was, so they put him on the stage and they surrounded him by, you know, with these, these, uh, these, these beautiful women in bikinis. He was uh, surrounded by like 10 girls in bikinis. What a horrible gig. What a exactly. What a tough job for Rodney. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that, that aliven up anybody. Well, you, you're, you're probably right. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. So what happened was he, he kind of shuffled up. All right. He, you know, they said, okay, Rodney, you know, we're going to put you here and, put him on the stage and they, they, you know, put the girls around him and they were kind of draped all over him. And all of a sudden they said, okay, you know, background action, you know, speeding action. And Rodney once Rodney said, now we're all going to get laid. <laughs> Literally. He said that one line, it was just vintage Rodney. Right. And everyone just started, you know, hooting and hollering and everyone started jumping up and down and high-fiving. It was like 50 people, a big, you know, right. the champagne started popping. <laughs> and as soon as they said, yell, cut, his head went down, and he shuffled off the sound stage. Is that right? So it was literally like someone, literally, just you know, you know, put the put the uh, the cattle prod exactly, just tasered him. Put, you know, put this, <laughs> put it in the socket right there, and boom, he, he right. came to life, and that was it. It's total professional. Even like, even like at eighty, I think he was in his early eighties when he passed. Wow. So I was just like, I thought this guy's a legend, man. 
Absolutely. So that blew me away just to be around him and see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're also an actor. I mean, you know that, that rush you get from just from being on stage or oh, being yeah. in front of people, it, it energizes you in a very weird way. It, it, it's like nothing else. It, it, it compares to the, well, I imagine it's sort of crazy drugs, but I just, it's just, it's a weird thing that once you have the attention of somebody, then it, it kind of, it does give you a boost. Cause I felt that myself where I feel like I feel low. Then we, as soon as the podcast starts and I, I get my energy back and I, and I just, I start going because that's just, it's, it's a rush. It's a yeah. rush like nothing else. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And actually on my way over here, I was actually, you know, I put on a little Frank. Right. And I was like, you know, I put some, put my clothes on. I was like, all right, well, yeah, I feel like I'm going, going, going over to the Dresden to do a gig. I all felt right. like, hey, you know, here we go. Get into character. Well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's sort of, I almost yeah. felt like I was on my way to a gig. And I almost like, when I was driving over here, I thought, where the hell's my music? <laughs> do I have my charts? You want to sing? You want to sing? <laughs> but no, I know what you mean though. But it definitely, and a lot has to do with the crowd and, right. and anything, anything that you're doing live, we're doing with other people, musicians, actors, improv you name it 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 definitely it's funny like you mentioning this like if i don't sing for a week or two or three like i kind of kind of it affects you it affects you definitely man i couldn't agree with you more and i kind of i kind of slip into this kind of uh almost a fog in a weird way and the only way that fog lifts is you know is until i actually do you know i do some sort of appearance or i sing or I sit in or I have a gig or something like that. And then I feel, I snap out of it and I feel alive again. That's right. very true. We, uh, yeah. we actually were on like a little hiatus here where we didn't really record for about two weeks now. Right. right. And, and uh, we were just drinking together at a party the other night. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, I fucking miss you. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, dude, I mean, bro hug. Not, yeah. not that you're horrible or anything. I shouldn't be that surprised. But, <laughs> But uh, and, and then we just went into our little just banter that I mean you could throw mics on us and and that's an episode right there. Yeah. But but um, it's the same same kind of thing. If we, if we don't record for a while, then I feel like it's uh, there, there's something missing in my life. There, there's really right. definitely something missing there. If there's an equivalent to like blue balls, uh, the same kind <laughs> blue of thing. Nice. Nice. That's nice. kind of how I equated. Like uh, I got actually it. that's probably the best <laughs> you know the best metaphor you could right. possibly use. Like a use. blue tonsils or something. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, but uh, no, but I, I agree with you guys. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, you feel, you feel connected, you feel alive. And, uh, especially when you're dealing, when you're doing something live, it's, it, it, it's something that's happening in that moment and people are responding to it. Right. It's cool. I, I mentioned a second ago, you're also acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also an actor. I actually have a movie coming out. I'm really yes. excited about it. It's called, uh, it's a horror thriller, sort of a crime procedural slash thriller called Coffin. Yes, and it's a uh, it's a film. Um, I'm starring in. It. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm one of the leads yeah. with uh, Kevin Sorbo, Hercules, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. terrific in the movie. Hercules, I don't I don't recognize that name. You never heard of this guy? <laughs> <laughs> never seen that. Kevin Sorbo, what? Hold oh, on, yeah. who who's that guy? Right. Kevin Sorbo, right? <laughs> Zeno <laughs> Warrior yeah. Princess with Lucy exactly. Lawless was oh. an offshoot of that show. Right. No, oh, it's great. There Good stuff. Go. So uh, yeah, Sorbo's in it. Bruce, the great Bruce Davison. Bruce Davison, who's been in the X-Men, X-Men mm-hmm. 1 and 2. He was in Lost. Uh, he's a Golden Globe winner, Academy Award nominee. Do you Brilliant play Cyclops? What's that? Who do you play? He was a president. Oh, or not oh the president. yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Was the, it was the president. Right. He, Wait, no, he, he, he turned was the president. He was a senator. Senator, okay, senator that's Kelly, right? He was Senator Kelly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he okay. turned into a water or something or rather. Went through, right, went through exactly. The, went through the yeah, jail bars. Yeah. Right. So so Bruce was amazing, and it was written by... A friend, a couple of friends of mine. My, actually, my buddy Kip Tribble wrote it. 
He also directed it with another great friend of mine named Derek Wingo. They both star in it. And uh, Johnny Alonzo, Paisan, my yes. buddy Johnny Alonzo, uh, <laughs> he was on Dawson's Creek. He's a, a great buddy of mine. Really phenomenal in this movie. Um, we had a blast. We shot it a couple of years ago. It's coming. It's going to be out on DVD, on Redbox, on August 14th, also Netflix. So we're really excited about it. And, um, you know, and, we've and had some good notices. And your part, are you the main protagonist? I am actually, I am the protagonist. I, I play the character of Jack Sams. My wife, played by the beautiful and very talented Sonny Dench, she gets uh, kidnapped mm-hmm. and put in a coffin with Kevin Sorbo, who she has been cheating with Sorbo on me. Oh, I don't like him anymore. How dare she? That rat bastard. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You a dirty rat. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so this is kind of a cautionary tale. If your wife ever says to you, honey, listen, I really feel, you know, I want to get out a couple nights a week. I want to take acting classes. And she, she starts taking acting classes and... And Kevin Sorbo. It's probably there. not a good idea. So, you know, if she takes <laughs> acting classes with a guy that looks like Kevin Sorbo, it's probably not a very good idea. <laughs> in any event, that's what happens. They meet in acting class. So um, basically what happens is uh, she gets put in a coffin, and I have 75 minutes to find her. And I, I don't want to obviously – Yeah, don't, don't give I don't want to give any spoilers, yeah, but that's okay. the premise, and it's kind of a, a sort of a race against the clock. Right, and we're going to put the trailer on our website, which is, oh, yeah? which is great. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're excited about it. And uh, it was produced by uh, Spencer Johnson, Dave Stever – Skyrocket Productions, and uh, it's being released by MTI Home Video and Artist View Entertainment, and we're excited about it. So August fourteenth, you guys can check it out, and um, absolutely, it's going to be fun. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. I, we were watching the preview earlier. Were we yeah. were, yeah. It's a very, yeah. very good, very good. It looks, it looks interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, we did it really quick. We did it very quickly. We did we shot at night. We shot uh, in downtown Los Angeles. We shot in Sherman Oaks. We shot in Riverside, but. It was a real rush. Like, you guys are talking about doing something creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when you don't have a lot of time to do something. Right. That really kind of lights a fire under you in a very unique way. Okay. Because you kind of got to get things done. And right, yeah. So, um, and it truly was a race against the clock. But we we uh, we had a blast on it. I mean, I, I was, I'm really, really happy with it. I mean, I mean, we work really hard on it. So, you know, hopefully people will enjoy it and, you know, check it out. August August 14th. Those yeah. film schedules are grueling, though, because you always got to, like, shoot, 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 shoot five, ten times more than you need to shoot. And then just in post-production, it's going to take ten times as long for them to edit it down to, to kind of, like, distill the, totally. the good takes. I, I yeah. know how it is because I've... I've Done some Does some of that stuff. films and things like that. Well, I've, I've uh, edited before, yeah. and then I've I've been the cinematographer. I've run sound. I've run lighting. I've, I've yeah. done a, quite a bit of stuff. So yeah, I know how horrible. Yeah, yeah, editing's horrible. E- editing is is when you're there and you're just kind of like sure. Anybody that's ever gotten really into World of Warcraft or, or EverQuest <laughs> or any kind of like what? MMO game, it's the same kind of thing. You're just obsessing over something that's on your computer and okay. you're sitting there for like 16 hours at a time in your underwear with a stack of cup of noodles next to you <laughs> after three days. Right. And, and you're just like mad that you can sure. see a, a tiny little bit of a reflection of something in, 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 <laughs> in like a fraction of a second of a scene and then you, you go to try to get somebody's feedback about like whether or not the scene vibes well yeah. and then they're just after they saw it they're just like oh that's great and then 
after that, you yeah, can just kind of like, crazy, but didn't you the see mist. the thing yeah. Yeah. Right, right there in the corner? It's a, it was right there. It was looking at you. Right. <laughs> right. After a while, you've been doing it so long, you, you don't know what you see. You don't because you yeah. spent three hours looking at that little reflection. Absolutely. And, how to, and you don't know how right. to fix it. Your eyes begin to play tricks on you after a while. I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. You, know, you know what helps? Editing what helps me anyway when I'm, when I'm editing what? stuff? Uh, some wine. Wine helps. <laughs> It really helps me out when I'm when Take I'm doing any kind of editing. Scotch, scotch, wine, yeah. Just it just kind of well, yeah. It, it you start losing its inhibitions a little bit, right? It, it relaxes it you. Wasn't that bad? It kind, of takes, kind of takes the edge off. <laughs> but no, it's it's very similar actually. Being in the studio, like the studio is an amazing place to be because your equipment's tremendous and you're in there with you know right. phenomenal musicians. But it's such a laboratory that you know you're having a blast and and you hear playback and you're listening to it and you're thinking like, oh that sounds cool. And then the more you listen to it. The longer you're in there, like, you know, five, you know, seven, ten, twelve hours later, yeah. you start to hear playback and you think, well, wait a second, like, I don't like what I did there. Let's, let's do it again. And until, like, your producer finally says, look, you know, you got to trust me. <laughs> like, right. you, you know, we're going to stay in this song for a month. Yeah. We got to move on. So, you, yeah. You, you didn't hear that part where I went, <gasps> <laughs> oh, yeah, it just gets mad. It's, you know, you hear like a little, like, yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's a crash. That's, a, that's not even your voice. <laughs> and you know, you start to hear things that aren't even there. And like five independent ears will, sets of ears will hear it and they'll say, well, it's nothing there, dude. Yeah. No, it's, it's nothing. Your magic. It's beautiful. Things. It's great. Right. No, screw you. So, <laughs> you're all against me. <laughs> you're one of them. Exactly. They start freaking out. Absolutely. So how did you land the, uh, the coffin gig? How does that happen? You know, it's, I'll tell you how that happens. You know, it happens when you have, you know, really amazing friends who, write a really great piece and they say listen you know i got this we're, we're going to do this movie and we want you to play this part you know it happened because uh you know kip tribble wrote this great script and i had done a movie uh, i actually done a film with uh, Derek wingo okay um my buddy who's a, a great um a great writer director producer i done a movie about 10 years ago called the waiters and actually he and i go way back to star trek I have a oh. whole sort of. I used to work in Star Trek. Was oh, that right? Well, yeah, yeah, I've heard so, of Waiters. Yeah, that has like a like a cult film following. Yeah, right? you know, it's an independent film. It's kind of. Uh, it, it came out, you know, a, a couple of years after the movie Waiting with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, sort I, of well, the I've same. Heard, I've heard of Waiting, but I've heard of Waiters too. Right, yeah, cool. I'm cool. Yeah, serious. so it was. Uh, it's an indie, and I did that with. I've known Derek for years, and we did the Waiters together. And I did some music for that, and he. Um, you know, he just we, we we sat down, we had a beer, and he said, "Look, you know, Kip wrote this this film. It's it's really cool, and we think we're going to do it." And then two weeks later, he called me up and he he emailed me. He said, "Hey, did you get my email?" I said, "No." And he said, "Well, you know, read the email." So I read the script, and he said, "I want you to play this part." And I just you know kept turning the page, and I was in every page. So right. to answer your question, it's 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 really it's really great when you have um, amazing friends who uh, believe in you and, and give you a great part. So that's how I got the part. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, and hopefully I'll work with these guys again. So we, we had a ball doing it. So. so did you do anything on uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or anything like that? You know, I I don't think they actually took that route. I think it was uh, it was funded by um, Skyrocket Productions, and uh, which is a company out of Baltimore and uh, on the East Coast. Um, obviously, Baltimore's on the East Coast, right? <laughs> Last <laughs> yeah. time I checked, right? My uh, my map. So it was um, it was produced by Skyrocket. I don't recall them doing anything on uh, indiegogo or kickstarter oh cool, cool. but uh it was independently financed and um you know it's like a, a low budget indie but i think it's uh, it's pretty gritty and it's pretty cool 
right. I mean, hope, hoping, you know, people will enjoy it. It's good. There's, t- there's tons of markets. I, I mean, there's a huge market out there for th- those kind of projects, and a lot of people make it huge off of those things, so long as the writing's there. I right. mean, that's that's really what it is. It's the writing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's the acting and all that stuff also. It's just, I mean, you can shoot and film and, and, and have good actors put together a really good film and, and not have it just CGI and explosions every goddamn three seconds, like <laughs> everything else that's out there and have like a huge, huge film. And I think people really got on that and realized that that was the truth with with stuff like projects like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You have Memento mm-hmm. around the sure. same era, time. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of films that had story. to do with like time travel that were all story and stuff like that. Um, even, even with just, uh, like waiting and stuff like that, even though it's not, even though it was a bigger budget film, sure. uh, just like, the, uh, The Office as opposed to, uh, wait, was it The Office? How, how, how do they differentiate between the film and the, the series? I forget the how film, that is. Office Space? Is office Space. That's office what space, it is. Yeah. Yes. Because it was a UK office and there was a US office. But yeah, but office, office Space, space. well, yeah. I mean, that was totally like, that was low budget. There wasn't, there couldn't have been a lot of money that was invested yeah, no, in that it, film. It, and it was yeah. just a great, great yeah, movie. Funny as hell. Funny as hell. Yeah. So, so how did you get into the, uh, the whole acting thing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I was, when I was young, I, uh, my little brother and I had an agent in New York City. I grew up out just, uh, just outside of New York City okay. and, uh, in New Jersey. I'm from Jersey. Jersey. And, uh, right. yeah, what exit, right? <laughs> I've heard that a few times. Is that right? But, uh, so, my little brother and I had an agent when we were young and I, I was always, I was always involved in music and, and, uh, and, you know, I got out of college and I, you know, I went to New York and I started there and then I moved out here in 91 and, uh, you know, started working on Star Trek. I have a whole big, you know, long history with Star Trek, which was a lot okay. of fun. I played a Borg. Oh, is that right? It was Borg. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So, um, was it Voyager or New New Generation? It was. Uh, it was actually First Contact. I worked on Deep Space oh, okay. Nine for a bit, a minute, and then I, I went over to uh, First. Con- I, I got cast in First Contact as a Borg, and then they used me again on uh, Voyager. So I did about uh, maybe about eight or nine episodes on Voyager. So it's uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, it was like a dream come true, like to work, you know, on on Star Trek and you know be on the bridge and. You know, wander the hallways of the ship and all. Well, that in first contact's cool because that that was a feature film. That wasn't just a series, right? Yeah, no, it was. It was. You know, I was just having this conversation with my buddy Greg, um, my buddy Greg Sweeney, who's a, an amazing um, uh, composer, and he actually worked on Star Trek as well. Um, we were just talking about that today. About you know, when we were kids, you know, you know, watching you know the the reruns of you know the original series, right? And how you know what it was like when we actually worked on the ship i mean what it was you know what a rush it was to you know actually be i can imagine you know be be just be a part of that in in kind of a small way and actually you know the older i get i i kind of realize just how how cool that is the older i get and i think when i was doing yeah. it i was like sort of like yeah this is cool we're doing star trek and then now um you know the, the further and further i get away from it um you know occasionally i'll get some like you know fan mail from like you know germany or something or somebody All right. will send me a picture of me as a borg and you know which is pretty cool so it's it was uh it's it's a really uh, i was very fortunate to have been a part of that so uh, you know it was great yeah, i have this uh this fantasy of mine that when i when i get my mansion when i become a millionaire sure. which, which is going to happen obviously uh, right yes. uh, i want to have uh, different themed rooms for everything mm. and my office yeah. i feel like would be perfect for the uh the star trek theme just like my computer desk and then all around me all these blinking lights that do absolutely nothing but just look awesome sure it's just like the uh the deck of the uh of, of star trek and yeah. that's uh, but just seeing that in person versus whatever I decide to make my office, it's got to be a whole different experience. It's weird because mine would be Fight Club. 
Complete opposite. Would it, be Fight Club? it would just be your the, office. Yeah, my office. Would Tyler be Durden. Like yeah, Tyler Durden. The house that's just decrepit oh, and so creaking. Know, that's, like, my that's basement my, is the basement where they. The fought. first rule yeah. of Fight Club is you don't talk about. Don't Fight talk Club. about Fight right. Club. Right. Yeah. yeah. Also, the second rule, by the way. So is this is this is this whole podcast going to erupt into a brawl? <laughs> you hear like we're going to hear like the intro to Batman. Like, right. like that, that happens after. Yeah, bazang. Is that exactly? Yeah. I, was like, I always had my own sounds. Like, I always imagined it with sounds that didn't sound like hits. Like, blurble, blurble, <laughs> zorb. Yeah, some of those are Just, made up. I'm sure some of those are made well, up. Actually, so guys, I, I, I got a story right. <laughs> that involves violence, and it was... And funny sounds? Well, violence and funny sounds, but right. it's uh, it was made perhaps one of the most harrowing moments of my life. Okay. I worked on the TV show Las Vegas. Oh, okay. With James Conn. And Alec Baldwin, which mm. was, you know, which was very exciting to be on that set working with a legend and, you know, working right. with Alec Baldwin. I'm playing this thug and basically we're meeting in this warehouse and uh, I got to the set. It was early in the morning and I was just really excited to be there. And, you know, James Caan, who, you know, Sonny Corleone, you know, icon mm-hmm. yeah. you know, from The Godfather. And, um, you know, we were kind of rehearsing this kind of little fight scene we had to do in the scene. All right. So, you know, he got me in a headlock and he sort of inadvertently or maybe not so inadvertently got me in a real headlock. And, and in any event, so I, I started to see little, you know, birdies fly around my head and he let me go. He's like, you okay? Yeah. Kid, are you okay? You're right. And so I say, you know, I figured if he, the guy's going to choke me out, I figured, well, you know, Hey, well, um, I'm going to slam I can him. call you Jimmy. Right. Okay. You know, I don't know you that well, but I can call you Jimmy. If you choke me out, I, I call you, you know, by your, you know, your, your first nickname. name. Exactly. So, that's, um, that's method acting right there. Exactly. That's, <laughs> we go back to the actor studio, Jimmy and I. Right. <laughs> but, so I was really pumped up. You know, they were setting up the lights and we, you know, I, we went and got changed and we, you know, went to wardrobe and they were setting up the, the scene and lights and all that. So we started rehearsing and we had to do this scene where I had to actually, do this fight scene and I, they were shutting the lights off in the warehouse where we were shooting. Okay. And they said, well, okay, what you're going to do is, you know, once, once the lights go off, you're going to go around the table and you're going to go up to Jimmy and he's going to get you in this headlock. So I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because he got me in a headlock at eight in the morning. All right. And he choked you to death. Anyway. <laughs> and and it, it might've been an accident with, with all due respect. I don't really know, right. but whatever the case may be. So, we, we rehearsed it or maybe didn't rehearse it enough, which is, I think, really the case. Okay. Anyway, the lights went off. I went around the table in the dark, and I moved my arm in such a way that I felt someone's head at the end of my fist. Oh, no. And I heard a... And all of a sudden, my body went slack. He flew back about 15 feet. Wow. And I could just see him in silhouette, and I thought, okay, my life is now over. <laughs> my life is now officially over. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. There's going to be a horse head in my bed. (laughs) If I wake up tomorrow morning at all. Uh, Fuck it. Send him to the toll booth. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So in any event, it was, it was, it was terrifying and the lights went back on and he was very upset and he came out. Anyway, the the, the moral of the story is don't hit James (laughs) Conn. The moral of the story is when in doubt, don't hit James Conn. Anyway, the the point is it was a total accident, but it was one of those moments that I I literally in that instance, I should say instant. I lost about three years of my life. Um, he was actually very gracious about it. I apologized profusely to him. We had to work together for the whole day. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever forget Alec Baldwin's look when, when he realized what I had done. And, wow. and, and he also saw the look on my face. It was just, you know, it was pandemonium. But uh, he was very forgiving. And for them, for that, I 
I'm appreciative. Very nice. And uh, anyway, so that's my, uh, I'm not sure if you guys want to include that in the show, but I figured I'd Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) In any event, if for some reason I go missing next week, (laughs) you guys know why. Very good. Now, you also did some earlier work here. I see this, uh, you did some reality TV in quotations on your website here. Oh, Jesus. For you. (laughs) Lovers and Losers, I think. I don't know if that's the name of the show, but, or or the name of the segment, at least. But uh, it was, it's like a talk show where there's this guy being, uh, I guess, put on the spot as being some sort of a-hole and you're kind of backing him up in a weird way saying he's a nice guy or something. Yeah, actually, you know, that's, that's from a while ago and it's, it is on my website. So, you, you know, I'm very impressed with the research you guys. <laughs> I basically, um, yeah, my buddy, Michael Taggart is an actor. He's a, he's a great actor and he uh, is an old buddy of mine from acting class. And, uh, we used to study with his acting, great acting coach, legendary guy named Harry Master George. Anyway, Michael got cast. It was kind of, it was around the same time. Thank you, by the way. Appreciate that. Um, he just, he just, uh, yeah, you know, topped off with Jack Daniels. I appreciate that. So he got cast in this show. It was right around the time of, um, that show, A Blind Date. It was kind of, okay. you know, that era. Yeah. And he, he basically asked me, he said, look, you know, I, I've got to do this show and I'm wondering, it's sort of a dating game, kind of a dating contest. And I need a friend, you know, I need a friend to come on the show and vouch for me and tell some stories. Okay. So, uh, we had a lot of fun. So he brought his, uh, ex-girlfriend cause he needed an ex-girlfriend and he needed a buddy to go on the show. So you know, I went on the show and I told some, you know, wacky stories about him. Yeah. And basically the show was kind of crazed because it was, it was a show where the women all vote on who the guy should, who the guy is. Who the best candidate is to get the date? Okay, to get the oh, vacation. Man. So there's he and another guy, <laughs> and sadly we lost. Okay, but well, in any yeah. event, we tried. We tried, and um, it's the same mistake we made in the twenties. We let women vote. Wow, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Can you believe it? And we lost. No, wow. anyway, everybody loses. Oh, that's gonna go over well. That's gonna go over well. I, you know something? I think I gotta go. No. Uh, send the emails to Rex at Ratpack exactly. Podcast. I send them all to Rex. I had nothing to do with that comment. I'm just messing around. I know, of course, of course. This is all in good fun. This is all in good fun. <laughs> Wow. By the way, James, I'm really sorry I accidentally slugged you. <laughs> anyway, um, it was, uh, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. And that was, uh, it was a long time ago, but I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. I can tell, right? No, 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 no. It was, it was a good time. And actually, it, the clip for all, for any of you who may be interested, you can, uh, you can see that on my website along with other, a couple of other wacky clips. Actually, the song that I think yeah, the we intro that heads the that, that intros the show mm-hmm. is a show from Shag with Shag with a twist, a show that I did back in uh, 2005. We did it at the LATC. We had a really nice run. It went on to Vegas, and um, that actually there's a clip on that that's on my website. Uh, by the that. way, uh, uh, PatrickBarnett.com. Exactly, PatrickBarnett.com, we'll and Shag. There's a clip of Shag with a twist, and that song is called "Smitten with a Kitten." I shouldn't say "Smitten for the Kitten." It's written by my buddy uh, Chris Lang, who's an amazing songwriter. And Cesar Benitez, and they wrote it. Uh, they wrote the score for the uh, musical. So anyway, that's just a little, you know, a little bit more info about the website. Cheap plug. Yeah, no. But hey. <laughs> no, that's anyway, cool. I like the song there. title. It's like half lounge, half bartender lingo. You know, yeah, well, it's it, you know the whole the, the musical was a really uh, was a really cool musical. Um, it had nothing to do with my involvement. It was cool music before I was involved. All right, but it just was added on to it. Uh, yeah. So in, in any event. There's a Southern California artist named Shag, and uh, he's a really very popular artist from Orange County, and he depicts a lot of these sort of retro sort of mod scenes 
with guys with martinis and, uh, all right. You know, kind of in cool, like, you know, Dean Martin kind of uh, attire, kind of like swanky sort of adult scenes and things okay. like that. So it was a, a musical. It was a murder mystery. The whole premise was a murder mystery at a Tupperware party. And I oh. was kind of like the, I was kind of the, my, my, actually, I was the crooner. I played the crooner in that. And actually, I, I was sort of the Dean Martin kind of host of that. All right. So that was one of the big numbers from the show. So we, we had a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, I, I, I do enjoy musicals quite a bit. Just musical themed movies and anything. It just, I, I, I'm drawn to it. I like classical musical numbers that are in old movies, but I don't like modern musicals most of the time. Okay. Um, I think that's just because I spend so much time in theater and then like the typical theater nuts that were just like, Oh my God, rent. You know, like they get <laughs> way too overzealous about this stuff. And I'm like, that's really stuff that only people that are already in theater go watch. Okay. Uh, whereas when you, you watch older films, uh, that have musical numbers in them. I think that's something that everybody can appreciate. Absolutely. You, you watch stuff, uh, I mean, th- my favorite, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a religious guy, not, sure. not a really huge spiritual dude, uh, but I really, really like, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. I think that huh. that was just amazingly well done. The way they filmed it, it had yeah. its own little shtick, even for the time con- in the seventies, it had a very seventies feel, but they went off on a little tangent and did their own style there. And it was a, it was an amazing, amazing film. Uh, not only that, but a musical also on top of it. So uh, there are certain things out there musically that I can appreciate about different musical numbers. Absolutely. But modern musicals, I, I tend to drift away from that because I feel like, a, like half of it is hype most of the time. Okay. And, and then it's only in retrospect, once you kind of get away from it, that you can go back and go, you know what? Chicago was good. You know, okay. then you can go back and, and, and start yeah. like looking, looking at the stuff and be really appraising it. Cause a lot of things with not just musicals, but movies in general, it's, it's kind of like they're trying to recreate something that was great from the past, but trying to make it current and it, it just, it doesn't seem to work as well. You know who pulls off that off really well? The guy that did, uh, Romeo and Juliet and, and did Moulin Rouge, I think. Moulin Rouge, I'm, uh, I'll agree with that. Romeo yeah. and Juliet. I it was the I same. Like di- so much. It's the same director, Is screenwriter. It? Yeah, I, I, I didn't like Roman Juliet because it's just I, merging the the old way of speaking with current day. It just it was very off putting to me. Like it's obviously this is it, it's modern day. I mean, they got guns in Christ and shit for Christ's sake. Yeah, and but right. they're they're still speaking in the old Shakespearean language, and that that threw me off. Mm. Just because it's just, I mean, I, can, I understand, especially if you're a traditionalist when it comes to those sorts of things, how yeah. you could say, you know, no, this is not for me. I don't like what they're doing to it. Right. So that, that's completely understandable. I just, I, I like to keep things, uh, time appropriate. Yeah. And where, I mean, like, like Spartacus or stuff like that from back in the day where, it, yes, it's back in the day and they speak to You're an the old way. school cat, man. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, you know, you like, you like things of their time. Absolutely. Very true. Sure. Very, very I get true. it, man. So, Patrick, based on what you've done so far, what, what uh, the, you're, you're acting, you're singing, sure. you're, you're very well established on what you're doing now, uh, even uh, seasoned at this point, where, where you really are really good Thank you. At, at what you do. What, what do you want to do from here? You know, that's a good question. I was just talking about this yesterday. I, I have uh, there's a couple of films that are, that are happening, um, fingers crossed, knock on a hard surface. All right. Mm-hmm. This wood. That that uh, <laughs> that sounded like wood. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, there's a couple of films that are that are projects that are sort of you know on the table, and um, hopefully will be happening within the next couple of months. You know, I have, I have a couple of musical projects, um, a Christmas album that I'm I'm kind of working on right now. 
I want to get back in the studio. Nice. I also have tried my hand at writing. I've written some short films. Okay. So uh, I really, you know, I, I love I love what I do. I mean, I love performing. I mean, whether that be, you know, singing or being in a movie or um, even potentially directing a movie at some point. I love just every aspect of performing and whatever and whatever right. aspect that is, you know, given this given the specific job. I love singing, I love acting, I love I love all of it. So I I hope to just continue to do things that combine those things that I love. Really. I mean that's I'm not sure if that's a specific enough answer, but that's kind of that's the uh That's good. It sounds yeah. like you're doing it already. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, you know, hey man, it's it's uh you know, you, you just you always gotta keep hustling and uh you know, keep uh keep going with it and, and just, you know, doing it because you love it, you know. So, so given the, given the taste that uh, you've developed as a person that you are, you so appreciator of standards, the old kind of feel of uh, just in general. How? What are some places in LA that you like hanging out mm. at that have that kind of loungy cocktail thing, uh, kind of like theme the, that you can vibe with? Obviously, the Dresden is one sure. of them because you've been there. Yeah. I was thinking maybe. The Edison, um, there's also one called a bar out there called La Descarga that has a much more like Absolutely. speakeasy kind of feel. Sure. What what are some what are some other spots that you would Well I mean I you know I'll, I'll actually top. that's a great question. I was I was actually at one of my favorite places in Los Angeles last night, which is the New Beverly Cinema. Okay. You guys familiar with that? I, no. Uh, no. Yeah, it's the New Beverly Cinema, which is uh which is a an old movie house. They play they play old movies there seven days a week, double features, it's seven bucks. Beautiful. And everything from like Fellini films to spaghetti westerns to you know old Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry films to Tarantino's films. Okay. And actually, Tarantino is a silent owner, or maybe not so silent an owner of well, the theater. Well, not now. Exactly. Not now. <laughs> exactly. I just gave it away. You guys drive me crazy. How dare you embarrass me like this? <laughs> anyway, I had, to, I had to throw it in. You did. I was going to ask you about that's that. Good, Guys, good. listen, I, I'm really, I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> but so the new Beverly cinema has been around since the mid-70s, and that is one of my favorite places in the world because last night I went to see like some old vampire flick from 1970. Okay. So I think that place is just a classic place, and I feel really comfortable in that. That's I think it's one of the coolest places in L.A. I mean, that's you know not music-related, but... But it's one of those great classic places that's been around for a long time. So that's one of them. There was a place um, over in Santa Monica, which is no longer. It's now it's oh. it's where the current Houston's is. Um, Second and Wilshire, great place. I used to actually started singing at with an amazing songwriter. Um, he's actually one of my best friends, and he's a, a phenomenal. Pretty produced my record. His name's Howlett Smith, and I actually started singing there. And that place had a real kind of old school, sort of um, very kind of old sort of vibe. 50s kind of vibe in it. Beautiful. Uh, so that that was one of my favorite places. Um, that's no longer. But, but yeah, I mean, the places like the Roosevelt, I mean, that, okay. you know, yeah, that, that have that kind of, you, know, you walk into the Roosevelt and you just get this kind of, you know, you just get that feeling of you well, know, it's like, purportedly uh, haunted. That's right. By, you can um, hear the bugle Madeline of Monroe. Montgomery Cliff. That's what and, they say. And that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what they say. But, but yeah, I mean, those places. I mean, you know, when you you walk into those places, you know, you just get that. You just get a, a kind of like nostalgic sort of um, kind of almost ghost like feeling. So that I, I love the Roosevelt. I mean, it's kind of even though it's a bit more trendy than it used to be. 
but you know it still has that classic vibe. Musso and Franks, Musso and Franks on Hollywood Boulevard, old school. Um, you know, very much, very similar to the Dresden decor is a lot different, but yeah, I mean that that's that place goes back, I think, to like uh, nineteen in the twenties, I believe. It's one of the awesome. oldest places in Hollywood. So Musso and Franks, um, Bordner's, which is they're all very within kind of a couple blocks of one another. Yeah, Michelli's, which has been there, I believe, since the early forties. Um, now, now, Bordner's is very diverse as far as the, yeah. the venues, right? Well, Bordner's is actually a bar next to the bar that hosts uh, Bar oh, okay. Sinister. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, bar, okay. Bar Sinister is a bar completely different. Yeah, bar. that's bar, that's. Uh, uh, <laughs> you, you have Bar Sin, <laughs> Moscow, Clockwork, all those kind of more Blue Monday, if that's still around. Yes, Blue Monday. Okay. Th- those are more things that have happened in the the not so. Uh, not so distant. Okay, but there's past. a bar next to it. Now, I do remember that. Yes. You the bar it. next to it is Bordner's. Okay. It's just that the the thing that's a really easy thing to jump out at you when you're telling how people how to get there is always the Bordner's uh, I see. sign. Oh, but, sure. Uh, but that's not the bar we're, we've... Okay. The bar we're more familiar with is, is a, a different bar right next to it. Yeah. Maybe okay. next, next time I'll be next door then. Cause, uh, right. We just, you know... You know Poke your head in there. It's, oh, it's, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a, just a great place. And it, apparently, it's a like, red light, right? It's a red light inside? I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Right when you walk in. But I mean, yeah. apparently, like, you know, I used to sing there uh, a couple years back. And apparently, you know, like Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas and, and you know, hmm. the owner, Mr. Michelli, who is still alive, who owns the Michellis, the Michellis family, they used to all hang out at Borders. So it's it's just got that classic old Hollywood kind of vibe and feel to it. So those are just some of the places that I'm, some of the landmarks, but some of the places I really just enjoy going to. And, you know, my family was out here not too long ago. We went to Musso and Frank's and, uh, there's just so many great places. I mean, the Derby was one of those places. I mean, the Derby is no longer, Okay, but, um, had you guys ever been to the Derby? No, No? I don't think so. They have a, a, a different Derby over by Santa Anita racetrack. Okay. And I don't know if that had the same owners, but right. you're right. The original one did shut down. Yeah, the original I, is now the Chase Bank now. It's on Frank, oh, uh, on, yeah, uh, on it Los is. Filos, yeah. Uh, not um, so good for breaking out in song. But. <laughs> <laughs> probably get arrested. Yeah. But the, the, the one that's uh, down the street from uh, the Santa Anita racetrack, it has that same kind of old school cocktail vibe where it's just kind of like sit down restaurant with drapes on the table, all that, all that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just those, those places just, you know. They're just old school, you know. They're very Rat Pack. I love it. I love it. That's one thing. I'm on a constant quest to find something that's in that style because a lot of the bars that I go to, it's just they're like dive bars or they're just uh, they play music that's just like uh, modern or maybe rock. But as far as like somewhere just hang out and just relax, I want a place with character where, where yeah. the 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 feel isn't going to ch- change every month. Because that's really what those places are. They're based they, on their theme, that whatever exactly. they have. Exactly. Oh, well, what music is popular right now? Let me just put that on. Yeah, you it's know, disco kind of night. It's, uh, it's grunge night. Or yeah. it's just, I, want, I want a consistent place that's just relaxing where the music is not uh, drowning out your own thoughts. It's just kind of, it just, the atmosphere just is relaxing. You want to be able to hear yourself. You Absolutely. want to be able to hear, your people, to hear the people you're with. And you, know, you want to be able to have a conversation. You know, practice the art of conversation. I mean, it's kind of like a lost art. I mean... So many of those places, I mean, they just don't appeal to me. I, uh, obviously, I'm probably <laughs> revealing my age or, <laughs> or my sensibility, but it's just, you know, someone said to me, I, I was at, you know, Palermo's, which is one of my favorite places okay. in Los Filos. Yeah, yeah. Great place. Old school. And I was sitting at the bar and some, I met these guys at the bar and they were saying, oh, yeah, we're going to this club on Hollywood Boulevard. And I mean, I just, I, I can't, I mean, I walk into those places and I can't hear myself. Yeah. yeah that's I mean, the music's so loud. There's like 3,000 people in there. and. 
I got over that when I was like 21. <laughs> I, it really was. We went to this club all the time. I forget what it was called. Scribbles. Scribbles. We was, it was oh, I remember Scribbles. Scribbles. <laughs> Is it, I was and, a regular at Scribbles. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, uh, it was cool going there because you, you build your confidence up because you just talk to broads every once in a while. You're like, hey, we're going, on, we're going based on looks, right? That's right. Broads. <laughs> and they're like, what would you say? I'm all, that's what I said. That's basically <laughs> what I said. No, it doesn't matter. And, and, and uh, after that point, once you kind of like graduate, yeah. From that, then uh, you start caring about what the person has to say. Actual conversation. Yeah, yes. Jesus fucking Christ, right? Exactly. God forbid. Guys, listen, you need you need to be able to talk to them because after a while, <laughs> what happens is, you know, beauty is fleeting. It's very fleeting. <laughs> so you need really, actually, it's all about substance and and you got to like the sound of the voice. <laughs> it's important. Anyway. That is awesome. It's very good. It's very on the point. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I've I've been cultivating it for years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's because a lot of people that do the impression, they don't get the, no, the, the low don't. tones. The, the, the I appreciate it's, it, man. Well, it's you know, the low tones. It is. Exactly. It. Well, well actually, not a lot of people know this, but actually, he's a distant uncle of mine. No. I wish. I wish. No, actually, um, it's, it's a very uncanny, weird thing. Uh, it, I, I don't really have to try very hard to, you know, I just yeah. make a very slight adjustment to my voice. And, That's a beautiful but it's, thing. But it's, it's, a lot of people do them well. A lot of people do them. Yeah. And, you know, it's, a lot of people do them. Yeah. It's not like a meathead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Do, uh, yeah. But in any event, uh, no, a lot of people, you know, attempt, I should say. Yeah. And, and some of them, some of them get really close. And I think because he's got such a kind of a wacky way of speaking and a, and sort of a, it's all about the tempo and the yeah. pauses. The cadence and everything. It stops. And the thing is, is that everybody goes high, right? They go way up. Right. So um, anyway, I give classes in Christopher Walken. So if you're interested, <laughs> call me up. <laughs> Very no, good. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange See, thing. That, that sounds to me like a genuine impression where a lot of other people is an impression of an impression that they're doing. You hear somebody else do it, and you try to imitate an impression, and then you start getting the yeah, yeah. That's well, you thing. get caught. They get caught in the high thing. Yeah, that's the thing about Schwarzenegger too. I feel like people right. just like they sound just like him. Yeah, right. <laughs> they they start doing that all the time, but they don't realize like he's a political speaker. So you just tone it down. You pull it back like eighty percent. It's, it's like, the nuances. Hey, how it. you doing? You know what's going on? That's pretty good, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right. I, people don't realize that I was an actor a long time ago, so I speak very well. Well, well no, but trying. that's but that's, that's not so crazy. With that's, well. but but the point is, is that he he's much more pulled back and reserved. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, no, but people see the people. What they do is they do a parody of it. Exactly. Yes, and exactly. a lot of celebrities, when they do it, a lot of celebrities are like, for example, like Kevin Spacey is a phenomenal. Mimic. Oh my god! I was talking about his version of walking like three days ago. How he does it? But the thing, well, he, he does he does a very good walking. But actually, I really. His Jack Lemons like spot on. Okay. His Walter Matthau spot on. Right, right. Yep. His Christopher Walken is a little high. It's high up here. It's it's he does a lot of the high thing. Yeah. Which is cool, and it's 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 kind of like one of the uh, one of the trademarks, the Walken trademarks. Of but but a lot of those guys, they're incredible. They have incredible ears and they're incredible mimics, but they get courtesy laughs. Right. Yeah. So they'll do. I've seen other guys. It sounds enough like it. Do you recognize it? But exactly. Not, like, ah, the nuances. Great, you know. But yeah. But his his. If you actually ever hear his Walter Matthau or Jack Lemon, his Jack Lemon is just yeah. 
perfect. There, there's a thing on YouTube with him at inside of the actor studio, studio. Mm-hmm. and then I've shown people that clip a million times where he just you know, he's, they're like, "Go in the Mr. Pacino." He's like, "Oh, this guy." Al, Al Pacino's you know, phenomenal. Like, oh <laughs> Al my God. Phenomenal. Actually, on the set of Coffin, this was a lot of fun. On the set of Coffin, Bruce Davison does a, a, an impeccable Burt Lancaster. Okay, and he actually, you know. Being around Bruce and working on the movie with him was, you know, was just a tremendous experience. But he had so many stories. And just because he's been in the business for so long, I mean, he knew Henry Fonda and he knew Burt Lancaster. And he was just talking, telling me stories about these guys. And he actually does a really phenomenal Burt Lancaster. He also imitates almost to a T Ronald Reagan. So we were doing a take and. Every once in a while, I'd be like, all right, let's go. I'm getting high. <laughs> let's go, guys. Anyway, I would, I would slip in a walk in you know, just for a laugh. And, and he heard it. He was like, yeah, it's really spot on. So he did his Burt Lancaster. And then the director, Derek and Kip said, all right, look, we're just going to do one take. With nothing but accents. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was like one take, one take. And okay, we're going to film this. And it's going to be, you're going to, Bruce, you do Burt Lancaster. And Pat, you just do, you do walk in. So it was, it's actually on YouTube. Oh, beautiful. And it's, oh. uh, it's, it's, it's Walkin' meets Lancaster, and it's our names on YouTube, and you can check it out. But <laughs> it's basically, uh, we're doing the scene as Burt Lancaster and Christopher Walken, and it was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> Where's my uh, wife? It was like, look, Garrison, I need the money now. <laughs> anyway, it was, awesome. uh, it was a lot of fun. But, uh, <laughs> that is awesome. That's wild. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, listen, guys, listen, I really, really appreciate you having me on the show. You guys are very cool cats. It's an honor to be a part of the Rat Pack podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hope to see all you guys at the Dresden. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Right. And we'll put links on the website for the uh, some some videos, your website, of course. Really appreciate it. And uh, any updates coming out about uh, albums you're going to record or uh, when the great. coffin actually gets released, we'll uh, we'll post it on the website thank as well. You. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. So uh, thanks pleasure. again. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam. I'm Rex. And I'm Patrick. Or Chris. My head keeps spinning. I go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. She's telling me we'll be wet. She's picked out a king-size bed. I couldn't feel any better or I'd be sick. Tell me quick.